Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers. Based where I hear you cry, well, actually, a lot of our listeners are UK based, of course, as you can tell from the accent, I'm in London, England, but also we have a lot of people in Europe and from the other side of the pond, American listeners and, of course, Canadians, not to mention quite a lot of Australians. So that's who should be listening up. Today, we're talking about logistics, moving stuff around the world, which, as my guest Neil Curran said the other day in a pre-show sort of chat we had, not the sexiest topic, but I said, well, I'll tell you what, if you get it right and your product turns up on time and you can sell it consistently without going out of stock, that falls to your bottom line. That's pretty sexy. So I think this is an essential thing for grown-up business owners to wrestle with. Neil is from Regional Express. They're based in the UK, but they're a one-stop shop for e-commerce sellers, especially out of region, which is kind of logistics speak for people who aren't in the UK and aren't in Europe, I guess. For door-to-door logistics, including VAT, warehousing fulfillment, so everything to do with moving goods around the place. So first of all, warm welcome. Welcome back to the show, Neil. Good to see you here. Yeah, good afternoon, Michael. Thanks for thanks for having me back. Pleasure. So, as I said, I think logistics is a really, really critical thing to get to grips with thoroughly. Today, we're going to talk about a fun topic, Brexit <laughs> and Amazon logistics in Europe for UK or US-based businesses. So, obviously, it, joking apart, it's not a fun topic, but it's got to be dealt with. And having goods available to sell while your rivals don't is kind of fun because you get to make the profit and they don't. So it's worth sorting out. So first of all, what are the real basics that we need to have in place going forwards to, to deal with the Brexit situation? Yeah, I mean, obviously, come the 1st of January 2021, the UK is effectively leaving, finally, the European Union, which means UK VAT and EORI numbers will no longer be valid and available for use within the European Union. So you need to make sure you have a, a European version or equivalent to ensure you can continue to, continue to do business and import directly into Europe if that's your your sort of business model. Right. And so EORI, like, can you just break down what that is? Because all these, there's an alphabet soup that knocks around e-commerce. EORI, I'm not going to pin you down to say what it stands for, but what does that number mean? What, why does that matter? Okay. So, so that number is effectively unique to your business. Generally, it's an extension of your VAT number and it's a requirement to show on a customs entry. So historically... Customs entry to where exactly? to anywhere you're importing in Europe. So historically, if you're storing goods throughout the European Union, you will need a VAT number in any country you're physically storing goods. However, you only have ever needed one EORI number that can be used throughout the European Union, regardless of what country you're importing into. However, if you've got a GB one, that's obviously not valid in Europe post-Brexit. So you will need a EU one going forward as well if you are importing directly into Europe. And just to clarify, so uh, US-based or anyone who's outside of um, European Union is going to need two EORI numbers, right? One to import into the UK and one to import into the EU, the European Union. Is that correct? Exactly that, yeah. 
Yeah. Whereas if somebody's based in the UK, what's their situation there? Same again. So a, a UK seller, if, if they're holding stock in the UK and post Brexit, they want to send it to an FC um, or a warehouse in Germany. Um, they're going to also need one in the European Union as well. Great. Um, for okay. import formalities. Okay, so whether you're based in region or out of region, as you put it, whether you're UK or European-based business or US or wherever else, you're, yeah. you're going to have to have two E or E numbers in all cases, right? Exactly. Good yeah. to be clear. Now, you mentioned some nasty-sounding phrase when we were getting ready for this podcast called double duty, if there's a, a so-called hard Brexit. So tell me, what, what is this? It sounds nasty. What is double duty and, and what do you mean by hard Brexit? And what scenarios is that going to kick in? So, yeah, if, if there is no deal... And it is effectively a hard Brexit, which is obviously looking more and more likely with just over 30 days to go until 1st of January. Then potentially taxes into the European Union from the United Kingdom will will apply. So double duty in an instance is if, for example, you're a UK-based seller, you're importing your goods from a manufacturer in China to your UK warehouse, you will be paying, obviously, import duty and potentially VAT on those goods. If you then wanted to move that UK stock across to Germany, for example, if it's a hard Brexit, you may well end up having to pay European duty when importing into Europe as well. So obviously that's a big consideration when sort of valuing your product for sale because you may have two duty elements to build into your your value. And obviously, one of the one of the key features that like Regional Express and I think many other forwarders at the moment are offering and suggesting is that if you have large enough inventory quantities, you're moving from China, split it, send part to the UK, send part to Europe, and then obviously you're potentially saving on brokerage and sort of customs taxes and duties as well. You make a good point that actually it's not just the import uh, taxes themselves or duties, which are often only the order of a few percent, but it's also the brokerage fees, which can actually end up being quite considerable, can't they? So, so how would that work if you if you did end up shipping from China to UK and UK to, say, Germany, for example, most likely, I guess, because that's by far the biggest Amazon market in Europe, including UK. How would that look in terms of the, the brokerage fees then? How to break that down for us? It's difficult at the moment. There's still a lot to pin down, and I think very few freight forwarders are actually showing their hand at the moment. I think they're waiting for, yeah, for others well, to sort of jump first. Scenario um, planning. I'm not going to hold you to something definite around Brexit, given that the British government doesn't know what Brexit means or the European Union at the moment. So, but give us a scenario. I'm not saying this will happen. I'm saying what's likely or possible. An example. I mean, you, you, you need to consider if you're sending goods from the UK into Europe. There's going to be an export customs entry, and obviously then you're going to have an import customs entry as well into Europe. So you'd potentially be looking in the region of 50 to £75 pounds per entry. But that again, that, that depends how you're moving that freight. That, that would be the equivalent of palletized or sort of trader freight. If you're sending small parcels by a sort of fast parcel operator, it may be significantly less, depending on what the likes of DHL and so on may may charge that's due to the way they sort of operate as a company which is different to sort of general trader freight yeah i have to say that dhl and ups or whatever normally are very very good and they have special channels or whatever but having said that if if the regulatory bodies in the broader sense of the european union and the uk 
national government don't know what the deal is. I guess even the mighty DHL, UPS, FedEx are not going to be able to find some special way of getting it through initially, right? So I'd imagine that they'll probably come up with something. But what, what's your view on that? I mean, I know you don't work for DHL, but what, what are the sort of scenarios there? Well, I, I, I'm sure I'm sure they have a couple of scenarios built, ready to release as and when we mm. get some sort of firmer and final Brexit news. Mm. I, I assume, yeah, one will be based on a sort of harder Brexit with sort of more formal entries, if you like, mm. and, and another on sort of potentially other scenarios that may may come about. Well, look, you make a good point that we, we've had the luxury of forgetting about this for, for decades, really, as nations, but export customs is a different thing from import customs they both involve people doing work and therefore they're going to charge for it so that you make a valid point that we need to think about that so it gets pretty expensive fast so the solution of splitting at origin obviously makes sense so tell me a bit about splitting the stock i can really see why we really really want to avoid paying double duty not only double duty but double customs costs not to mention that i imagine that's going to also slow down the stock considerably if it's got to do export and import each time you move stuff so tell me about the solution of splitting the stock at origin presumably in china or wherever it's getting made at what point is that going to be a valid thing to do for for somebody absolutely so the key feature for splitting stock at origin is making sure it is cost effective to do so from your perspective because the last thing you want to do is potentially be paying in increased freight charges because you're splitting stock which will obviously have a, an effect on your bottom line as well so you know if, if you do have a good split of sales between the uk and the european union then I, I would suggest splitting that as per your sort of sales 60 40 whatever it may be and then send it to the relevant destination obviously value of goods is a, is a factor as well in, in that you don't want to be sending very low value low value low volume goods to multiple destinations because you're going to be potentially paying higher freight charges, minimums, etc. So you want to make sure you have enough volume to sort of bring that unit price down and then ultimately, you know, pay your single duties and taxes into each relevant in, in each, into each specific country going forward. Yeah, that makes sense. And actually, you put a finger on something. I think this is one of those things where it looks unpleasant, and it is, but it's going to force quite a useful discipline on people, which is to say, avoid low value, low volume goods going somewhere. And I would argue, if you're spending the time and effort that it takes to run any kind of marketplace where it's low value goods and low volume, I kind of would argue you shouldn't be doing that anyway. But I guess these days yeah. you're forced to make that decision, right? Because once you have to, for example, let's say you're doing um, half your sales in Germany and half in the UK, and then a little bit of, you know, maybe say half or 40% in Germany and then 10% split between France, Italy, Spain, whatever. Then by the time you've imported that stuff to the UK and then exported it from the UK into European Union and then sold, you know, 10 whole units a month or something, it starts to be that the overhead and the, the mental distraction is just way outweighed, isn't it? And I think it's an interesting business strategic point that's being forced on us by the logistics challenge is actually, you know, should you be doing that anyway? <laughs> My answer yeah. is pretty clear, right? There, what are your thoughts a, on that? No, there is a very fine tipping point because you do want to make sure the quantities you're sending are the quantities you are going to be selling. Mm. The last thing you want is excess stock yeah. sat in multiple locations across Europe yeah <laughs> so but if for example you're sending relatively small volumes to the uk hmm. maybe that's still the best way to do it yeah that's low value as well and maybe if it's duty free maybe it's duty if it's a duty free product then maybe that is still the best way to do yes you'll have potentially an extra customs clearance fee 
when you move across the channel. But mm-hmm. long term, that may be a better solution. If you're looking at high volumes of quick turnover, then maybe yeah, you want to you want to store locally. You want to store on the doorstep in Germany, okay. so you can sort of replenish those stocks within 24, 48 hours. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's a bit bit of a nuanced decision by the sound of it, then. Yeah. And I guess that there's no substitute for talking to a freight forwarder and just getting quotes and prices and just actually looking exactly. at the numbers on a spreadsheet. And a lot of this business comes down to emails and spreadsheets, as one of the mastermind members put it the other day. So tell me a little bit about F- FCL and LCL. So let's, I, I've got rule, no three-letter abbreviations on the podcast. So full container load and less than container load and consolidation and stuff. How can that? So how does that play into the picture? Just explain how how the sort of flow of goods works in that scenario. Again, so whether you're sort of looking at moving your goods FCL or LCL, that is going to depend ultimately on the volume of cargo you have ready to move. Obviously, you don't want to be paying for a full container load if if you're only moving 10, 15 cubic meters of stock. It's going to be more cost effective to do that on an LCL method. So that's that's the best way to sort of do it in that instance. Obviously, timings, LCL is effectively a bit slower than fcl and and the reason for that is is because it's part of a consolidation that consolidation has to be built in china it then has to be unloaded and devanned in the uk or europe once it's arrived before you can then collect and send it on its way for the final mile delivery whereas fcl you know you can just have a container sent to your door open the doors load it off it goes and then you can do the same at destination if if you wish so that's obviously saving the the time, whereas LCL would build, build the sort of consolidation. So you can be looking up to 10 days, sort of quicker transit time on FCLs once it's all said and done. It's interesting. So I guess there's, apart from the cost per unit savings, there's a speed difference with FCL versus LCL. I mean, I guess a lot of us don't have those choices that, you know, you're, you're ordering quantities that you have to have less than container load. But there are some tipping points that come in there as well, right? Because I, I know that's one of the mastermind members that I've um, worked with quite closely over time is, quite often does a breakdown of the kind of economics per container load as well as by product line which is quite interesting because it pushes you towards getting a full container quicker than you might otherwise think i mean what what are your experiences with that i mean yeah you you have a lot of our clients have a number of sort of factors to deal with especially at the moment one of the key factors is effectively unit restrictions within amazon fba a lot of clients obviously have sort of unit restrictions therefore they're debating whether they just send from China that, that level of inventory that they can fulfill or whether they just sort of go a bit bigger, send a full container load of excess stock in and hold it in a third-party warehouse. Generally speaking, that is often the best way to go because the more freight you send, the more units you send, that's obviously going to drive down your price per unit for the freight. And then You've got your goods stored locally within the EU that you can replenish your stock within 48 hours. So you don't have to go through the pain of an international shipment every time you need to sort of, you know, boost your stock levels or whatever in Amazon. Yeah, it's it strikes me that also it's very easy to underestimate the the cost of that because the the money you're paying out for stock now is very real and it's a cash flow problem and then warehousing is another overhead and and you can see that appearing Mm. 
but the hidden cost, if you like, of stuff not appearing on your revenue because you're out of stock is just gigantic. And like one of the resolutions, we did some annual planning the other day of the mastermind. And one of the resolutions of one of the guys there is very, very simply just to never go out of stock on our bestsellers, which yeah. means you're going to end up with excess stock somewhere because you're never going to get it perfect alignment. And uh, yeah, so I think that for the more serious sellers, I think if, if the cash, if the capital is there to do it, that's that's often a very wise plan i think it's got to be said so tell me do you guys offer warehousing in the uk and 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 what about europe if you have to go direct there we do yes so so we have sort of several warehouses within our sort of group in the uk predominantly based at southampton within the the docks itself or sort of within a couple of miles of the the docks so very good location that obviously helps drive down end-to-end sort of delivery costs as well because of the um, location compared to the actual place of arrival for the container in europe we have a facility as well in frankfurt germany that basically mirrors what we do here in the uk so sort of long-term storage pick and pack fulfillment quality control return services etc etc et so you know we, we've got all those services covered for the out-of-region sellers who will need a, a local warehouse on the ground excellent yeah that seems like the, the thing that everyone intelligent is suddenly looking for the really bright guys have been looking for it for a few months <laughs> yeah. because they got they they sense the way the wind was blowing. So, by the way, Frankfurt's obviously not on the coast. So, where where do things come into Frankfurt? Which port does that end up going into? So, we we chose Frankfurt as a location one because of its sort of location to Frankfurt Airport, which is obviously a major hub into Europe from sort of out of region for a number of airlines. And then for ocean freight, we actually sort of split the sort of arrival point in Europe. So sometimes we send goods into Hamburg, but predominantly all our European inbound freight goes through the port of Rotterdam. And then from there, it clears in Rotterdam in the Netherlands, and then we just deliver it through to Frankfurt from there. I was going to say, and for Americans who are a bit hazy on their, their North European geography, I mean, Hamburg is uh, right on the north uh, coast of Germany and sort of northwestish, so not that far from Frankfurt, which is sort of on the westish side, I guess, isn't it? And yeah. Rotterdam is actually geographically very close. It's a separate country, but by American standards, it's pretty much next door. So it's, uh, yeah, it's all yeah. pretty similar, isn't it? So, yeah, and of course, being within the European Union, the fact that they're in two different countries doesn't matter. Whereas the fact yeah. that the UK is 30 whole miles away from France, it's suddenly a different world yeah. <laughs> under Brexit, which is going to be exciting to, to look at how that works. I've I say exciting i mean you know complicated and expensive potentially but we we will certainly need to get back our heads together and, and have a review of how brexit is going sometime in in 2021 i think so listen th- th- there are many unknowns but there are starting to be some some more basic obvious problems and solutions what have i not asked you that that i should have asked you about brexit and and amazon sellers obviously we're we're effectively in december now so if you haven't prepared or, or sort of finalised your preparations for Brexit, you need to do that now. Um, there is sort of no second chance now, really, before it before it all switches over on the 1st of January. Everyone's trying to do it. There's There's been a lot of fear around Brexit. There's been, a, I think people's just ignored it for too long, thinking it would just sort of go away or resolve itself. It certainly doesn't look like that's going to happen. So there's now a mad panic for VAT numbers, EORI numbers, which are obviously causing backlogs at you know, government government sites, 
throughout Europe who are trying to sort of process these applications in a timely manner. Some have basically said now they won't process until the 1st of January. So if you haven't got it in place now, you're potentially already behind your competitor who, who could be up and running and selling from the sort of 1st or 2nd of January as, as normal. Yeah, well, we'll do our best to, and we're recording this right at the tail end of November, we'll do our best to get this out really soon because I think it's very timely and important information. So I guess you heard it here, if not first, maybe last, maybe this is the final yeah. thing Hopefully that makes you go, oh my God, you better do it. So just just to nail that one down then, since ERE numbers obviously a critical thing to get sorted as a, as a first priority, apart from getting good freight forward in place, which I'll, we'll ask a few mm. details in a second. What do we need to do for the ERE application? How does that work, the mechanics of it? So, you know, EORI applications, they are free of charge. You can go to the sort of local country's website and, you know, fill out the form, fill in the blanks yourself, and then obviously sit back and wait for your EORI number. Or you can appoint a sort of an agent to do that on your behalf. So, for example, Regional Express, we offer an EORI registration service in Germany and the Netherlands. So depending on sort of customer preference you know we've got a couple of options available there is there any kind of speed uh, advantage by doing that do you guys get some kind of inside track that an ordinary applicant wouldn't have no it's exactly the same process it just obviously if someone goes and does it through our website it's a bit more user-friendly hmm. it, it, it's it's in sort of a english language um, rather than the sort of local language so hopefully it's a bit easier for them to complete We'll then sort of do the back end work, submit it to the, the the country in question and answer any queries or questions they may have. Obviously, we do charge a fee for that. It's not a significant fee, but it, it's whether that customer wants to go on their own and do it or sort of have someone else do it while they put their feet up. Or put their feet up. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. or spend their time un- unloading containers probably or, yeah. or uh, fighting Seller Central. But yeah, it's another job to do that's off the plate. That's useful to Exactly. Me. So obviously we're talking about what you guys offer in terms of services. So give us a, a quick rundown of what you offer and then how people can get hold of you. Yeah, of course. So Regional Express, our core business is international freight forwarding globally into the UK and the EU. In addition to the freight forwarding service, we have a sort of a one-stop shop portfolio of VAT registration and tax filing services, warehousing and fulfillment across the EU, as well as sort of prep services, return services and, and sort of quality control. So hopefully anything that can help overseas or, or local seller expand comfortably and, and efficiently. If anyone would like to get in touch with me to discuss anything further regarding Brexit or you know their current supply chains, feel free to drop me an email at neil, N-E-I-L, at regionalexpress.co.uk or give me a call on 01794. 516 515. Great. Anyone who can memorize phone numbers on a podcast is doing well. So we'll, we'll yeah. put the notes, we'll put some show notes on amazingfba.com as ever or 10kcollective.com. Just have a look there. Neil is N E I L, as you said. So if you look at Neil Curran, C U R R A N for November, then you'll find his details on the site. Or indeed, just drop me an email if you're getting stuck and I can forward it to, to Neil. So michael at amazingfba.com. But that does sound useful. I mean, the core thing is getting the shipping done, I guess. But if you could deal with uh, tax filing and VAT registration in one go, particularly for American sellers whose core business is in America. And I say American, it could be North Europe, North American, generally Canadians as well. But that could be a useful thing because it's a question of putting appropriate force into an area, right? If, if you don't want to have to learn German 
and jump through a bunch of hoops and then deal with you know returns in germany if you're selling like 10 percent of your revenue there it's good to get these things off your plate but dealt with competently so Sounds really useful. Well, look, I, I would say it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Not really a pleasure to yeah. talk about Brexit, but hopefully, no. if we can persuade people to come, you know, come out of their, you know, hidey hole and just deal with reality now and, and just get ready for this, then, as you say, if you're the person to get your ERA number and your rival doesn't, then I guess the nice upside is that quite a lot of the competition will be pushed out of the way, at least for a period. So there's actually going to be some good competitive advantage to getting this sorted. So. Let's see it as a positive thing. <laughs> and on that note, I just want to say uh, thanks, Neil, for joining us today. Great to have you. No, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.